This week on Hyperspace Broadcast, we lead you down a long, 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 long road, only to reveal that it wasn't a road in the first place. Gotcha! Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Hyperspace Broadcast, a show where two real friends dig through Toonami's back catalog and try to determine what, if anything, is worth revisiting. I'm Michael Doak. I'm, uh... Oh, here it is. Uh, Peter E.B. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot for a sec. Yeah, unfortunately in this city of amnesia, it's sometimes hard to remember what our names are or where we're even going with this podcast. <laughs> I play an important role. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> Which means that you fight crime, I assume. Yes, yes of course. <laughs> it has nothing to do with podcasting whatsoever. Uh, yeah. You just go around and, like, I don't know, rescue androids and fight in giant robots. Oh, boy. Yeah, we're, we're still talking about the big O, uh, finishing it off this time with season two. Uh, oh, yeah. Season two is pretty crazy honestly and <laughs> we're just gonna dive right into it uh with our yeah. synopsis so we're uh, like we're gonna gloss over a lot of small details because there are a lot of small details in this show uh, and some and, of them don't matter <laughs> correct but also like to some extent i feel like i don't know like it's not worth going over every little thing especially yeah. if you're gonna watch it yourself like well you know we don't need to Talk about every individual instance, like Alan Gabriel shooting a woman in the leg and then her blowing herself up and then her coming back afterwards. Um, For some reason. Even, yeah. even though I've just talked about that. So, well, and and let's say right up ahead, uh, you know, Big O, it's a pretty cool looking show. Um, pretty interesting stuff. If you have any interest in watching it and don't want to be spoiled, we're about to spoil the crap out of it. Yeah, yeah, this is serious spoiler alert stuff. Uh even I mean, you know, as much as any of our other episodes, but for this show that is yeah. a serious thing because there's a major twist at the end. So, yeah, they do, yeah they it's some crazy shit. Like so. not to not to get into recommendation stuff early, but honestly, I would say if you're interested in the show in any way, go watch season 2 then yeah. maybe come back and listen to this episode. Uh if you don't want to be spoiled or yeah, if you're like me just listen to it and then be like that sounds interesting and watch it anyway uh there's also that option but yeah it doesn't ruin it i actually got spoiled fairly early on but it, it doesn't ruin the show so right. whatever anyway so uh where we left off with season one uh, roger smith the negotiator who rescues android women and basically does anything but negotiating contracts between <laughs> yep. people uh, was in his giant robot, the Big O, and fighting three enemy giant robots called Megaduces, Mega although it's supposed to be Megadeus. Again, I don't know why they fucked that up, but they did, and it sounds much stupider. Wrapped um, up in a Megaduce. <laughs> yeah, so he, he, was, he was fighting uh, three of those guys that were from some foreign place that wasn't Paradigm City, uh, where he resides. So... We we pick up exactly where we left off. He's fighting these mega deuces, and then he fucking wakes up, and he's just like a homeless man in a regular city, 
that is in a regular world without domes or any of the you know Robots. nonsense of Paradigm City. Yeah, everything yeah. is just normal. And this whole first episode is just like Roger wandering around this alternate Paradigm City, and he's like homeless, and he's just like, what the hell? Like he goes, <laughs> it reminds me of the movie I will always reference. Um, flight of the navigator in which a kid wanders off into the woods from his home running away and then he like almost gets hit by a train and then he comes back to his home and he finds that time has skipped like 10 years and his parents have forgotten about him and moved out this is a disney movie yeah i mean Uh, i know that i just i thought flight of the navigator is more about spaceships i didn't know that aspect of it at all he also gets like a cool spaceship and hangs out (laughs) with a cool little friend and listens to the beach boys but like it's that beginning like stuck with me which is like oh my god like what if you just lost everything yeah <laughs> right. skipped I, I also always confuse that movie with the last starfighter oh like, yeah yeah he wasn't really good at video games and got yeah you right know. <laughs> it's one of those things where i know that they're two different things but for some reason i always confuse them like it's in a way enough. that's really annoying i i have a similar problem with christopher nolan and um you see, I'm already blanking on it. The guy who plays Batman in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I can whenever I think of the second guy, Christian Bale. Thank Damn. God I remembered his name. Uh, you know, because that's very important. Every time I think of him, the first name that comes to mind is Christopher Nolan. Even though I know that's not him, I know. <laughs> I'm very aware of this. But every time I'm like, oh, yeah, Christopher Nolan. And then I have to go through this dumb process of, no, that's not right. This is totally off track. (laughs) Yeah, we're getting a little off track. But I will say, um, so, yeah, I always thought it was really scary, the idea of, like, wandering, running away and then coming home. And then your parents don't live there anymore. And there's just some Mm. old strangers you've never seen. Yeah, right, crazy. So Roger basically has a flight of the navigator moment with his own mansion. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Where he, like, comes back and the mansion is actually just a bank. And it's being run by, like, alternate universe Beck, who's now, like, super rich. Yeah, right, right. It's really strange. He also sees Dorothy, who's just a human, presumably, at this point, going into the same club from an episode in season one it's very weird stuff and there is like a moment in it where he he and norman his butler act out this like stage play of them first meeting in the you know real i guess quote-unquote paradigm city it's a very esoteric and strange start but basically by the end roger's like you know what i'm not just a man playing the role of roger smith the negotiator i am roger smith the negotiator and then it goes back to i guess quote unquote normal where he defeats the three giant robots coming in from a foreign land that no one has ever heard of Right. Uh, and so that was weird. <laughs> yeah, it's a very weird first episode. It kind of sets the tone for the rest of it. Um, yeah. But basically, through the rest of the season, there are just a bunch of kind of plot threads that keep popping up. Some episodes have to do with them directly, some don't. Um, but these plot threads are basically there's a new villain named Alan Gabriel who is like a cyborg and he works for Alex Rosewater. And he's some kind of enforcer. He kills androids yeah. for fun. I don't know. He's just kind of a he's, crazy, kooky villain. Yeah, he's like um, a crazy pinstripe guy with a mask. And then, like, Alex Rosewater is kind of recovering the foreign mechs and using them to construct or rebuild Big Fow. Or, yeah, he's using them to construct the third big Big Fow. Uh, 
I got Big Foul mixed with Big Duo. <laughs> I'm getting all these bigs mixed up in my head. Yeah, right. They also all have sort of similar names. Yeah. So, yeah, the introduction of these, like, foreign powers, because before it was like, oh, well, Paradigm Cities is the last place on Earth and everything around it's a wasteland. But now it's actually there's these, supposedly these foreign powers calling themselves the Union, and, like, they've infiltrated Paradigm City. You kind of re- you learn that, like... Among their agents are um, Angel is actually one of their agents, and Alan Gabriel is. And then there's this woman named Vera Ronstadt who shows up, and she's like kind of leading the the union yeah, agents yeah. in Paradigm she, City. She seems to be like the spy master, basically. Um, <laughs> she, for some reason, they're like they refer to these characters as foreigners, but then like she has like the most obvious German accent, and none of them else, no one else has is that accent. German? I honestly could not place what accent she was supposed to have because yeah, I don't know. it's, 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 it's really weird. Like there were times when I was like, it's German. supposed to be Russian, right? And there were times yeah. when I was like, it's supposed to be French, right? Like, it's... Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. It, it's a very... Honestly, it feels like a just kind of a stereotyped foreign accent in yeah, some ways. Yeah. Which, now that I think about it, may be the point. Um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves Maybe. a little bit. Um, so, yeah, there, there's this other faction called the Union. Alex Rosewater, the head of Paradigm Company, has apparently made some kind of deal with the Union because Paradigm City is the last place on Earth that memories are stored, uh, and they want access to those memories. But he betrays them in some way. Uh, he also burns down Gordon Rosewater's farm dome for some reason that I couldn't completely <laughs> grasp, but whatever. It's patricide. Um and then finally, the last plot thread is that uh, Alex Rosewater's trying to activate this new big, big foul, and he successfully activates it, but it doesn't completely follow his commands like Big O does Roger's commands. So he needs some kind of like memory circuit or activation circuit in order to actually control it, uh, and he wants to use Dorothy's brain to do that because in the very first episode of the series, or maybe it was the second one, it's a two-parter, so whatever, um, Beck used Dorothy to act as the same device for a Mega Deuce that he had recovered. Yeah. So basically, they're trying to kidnap Dorothy at some point. Uh, this all culminates in the last couple of episodes, which are... <laughs> really weird and like this obviously is the major spoiler point so be warned so the the first indication that things are really strange is that uh at some point angel is like fleeing the other union agents and she's i'm not sure if she's specifically wounded but there's several episodes where she's just kind of wandering around paradigm city getting more i don't know cold and yeah, Sick. weakened. It doesn't have doesn't have anywhere to stay, and you know, and she's having like flashbacks to her home in this cabin yeah, her child, like, her mother, who is Vera Ronstead, pretty clearly. Yeah, um, yeah. and then she like finds this closed set of her childhood home. <laughs> yeah, 
And that's basically the point where shit starts to get really weird. Video cameras everywhere. Like, oh, yeah, here's where we recorded what are your memories, I guess. Or or like, (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Or like she just found out that someone's trying to make a sitcom based on her life. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's a very very Truman show. Yes, it's a very strange reveal. And this is where the reveals just start fucking coming, because after that uh vera ronstead and gordon rosewater show up in her like childhood home and start telling her all this stuff vera basically explains and kind of unravels the mystery that we've been fed throughout the show so we keep getting these like flashbacks mostly from roger of what i started to refer to as the barcode kids in my notes yeah that's <laughs> um, a great great name for it the, yeah the, the kids who i think we get the vibe that they were implanted with memories to like yeah yeah they were the like previous time in order to i don't know in some cases they're implanted with memories of like the greatest scientists and so kind of live out their lives as like alter egos of those scientists just by virtue of having those memories implanted in them but then also in this in this discussion it suggested that they were an experiment that failed by gordon rosewater to Mm -hmm. like either clone or somehow create people who had memories that went past the 40 year mark uh and that alex and presumably roger were part of this project uh, but it was and also, scrapped. Like, the original Union people, and they were all like part of this project, and then it got scrapped, and then they fled somewhere outside of the city and kind of formed a formed like a crew. Yeah, formed some kind of. Okay. By the way, the, this is just going to be a thing, so I'm going to say it now. Uh, it's almost Fourth of July, which means that people are exploding fireworks in the background. So if you hear yeah. explosions, that's probably why. And I hate them, but. <laughs> like i've been trying to avoid it up to this point i i don't know if i'm going to be able to through this whole thing <laughs> so, yeah i can only imagine people are going to start launching shit here because yeah it's, right. um nighttime ever in indiana right so just a heads so. up i'm sorry about the audio stuff i i'm not really sure what i can do about it um but yeah, anyway it, it'll be fine but anyway yeah it's it's suggested that these kids were like cloned and implanted with memories and this is the secret that's been hiding this whole time and then Gordon Rosewater is like, hold on, all of that's BS. Like, this book you found that has my name on it and has a list of the kids and some of the pages are torn out, I didn't write this book. I just, you know, had a blank book and then these memories came flooding into it and wrote the pages out. Um, (laughs) They're like Page Master. (laughs) Yeah, right. Also fucking during all of this uh big o is fighting big duo which you know he defeats and then big duo starts ascending to the sky and it ascends past the clouds and indicates that the entirety of paradigm city this whole world is much like you said earlier much like the truman show is inside a giant dome with yeah stage lights and it's all a set and everyone is just playing roles in some kind of massive play. And Roger is a negotiator because he is the one person who has the ability to negotiate with whoever is controlling and running this play. So simulation. I, I didn't even right. get that vibe. Or I, I, did, I didn't pick up on that is what I mean. I mean, that's like directly stated, if I remember correctly, that he... Yeah, well. <laughs> that, 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 that's what makes him the negotiator. 
Um, At least that makes sense as to why he's a negotiator, why he's called that when he doesn't do that. Yeah, right. Most right. Cases. I mean, that's that's the explanation, I think, anyway. But so then it's revealed that the person whose memories this whole play or simulation or whatever was based on is actually Angel's memories or fantasy or something. I don't know. <laughs> something. And like, and then, <laughs> and angels revealed, I think, basically to be the director of this, right, right, or of, the of this whole simulation thing, yeah. And so she kind of, I guess, becomes or emerges as another big called Big Venus, right. And and of course, during all of this, because of the climax, uh, Alex Rosewater and uh, Roger are fighting in their respective bigs. Yeah. Uh, Roger beats Alex, but then this big Venus comes in and the whole city just starts disintegrating and basically turning into a holodeck. Uh, yeah. And Roger it's... makes some speech to big Venus and they merge and then the simulation resets, basically. And then, yeah, and then we just see like, oh, the monologue starts again, the saxophone playing and Roger's in Paradigm City cruising through while Dorothy and v Dorothy and uh, Angel watch watch along and that's how the show ends. It's kind of just resets itself. Yeah, it's a. I mean, obviously, it's a weird ending. We're gonna talk about it more, but uh, yeah. before we do, let's talk about some episodes that we liked and didn't. Our zeniths and nadirs. Uh, Peter, yep. what was your favorite episode of this season? My favorite episode was season two, episode two, negotiation with the dead. Um, in this episode. Roger is hired to investigate an assassin that um, he's from a previous episode in the last season, uh, one that has been hunting down and killing the um, now adult age uh, barcode kids, <laughs> as, as you put it, the uh, uh, memory implant children. Um, and Roger and Dorothy eventually, you know, because they figured out in the previous episode, the assassin seemed to be like the actual human R. Dorothy. I guess that, that or one's again, never really I, I maintain that it's an Android based on the modulated voice, uh, but sure. You know, another whatever. Android, the, I guess the, the other are Dorothy, the red Dorothy yeah. from the climax of the first season, which yeah, they never follow up on. Really. Yeah, they never follow up on that one. She just gets uppercut into a Except ceiling this, and then just doesn't exist. <laughs> Roger and Dorothy investigate the abandoned mansion that the original R. Dorothy lived in and they're attacked by a, another random Android. But fortunately, Angel appears in the same red hood as the assassin from before and blasts the shit out of it. Um, and they get some like information on on like memories or something. They're they're trying to find like a book in the library to work with. I think this is where they find the Metropolis book. Maybe no, the Metropolis <laughs> book is found in the first season near the oh, end. first season. Okay, yeah, it, it's it is hard after watching this whole show and seeing like so many like drip feeding of like little reveals and changes. It's kind of hard to place where certain things were revealed. Yeah, right. Or <laughs> even taking notes on this because like if you take you have to take like. <laughs> insane notes to like keep track of every little thing that gets hinted at well or yeah because the thing is the way this show is structured most of the major plot stuff is doled out in very tiny increments that are sprinkled yeah. throughout the whole show and so right. unless you take note of literally every tiny detail you will eventually kind of lose track of where certain things were revealed just because yeah they're revealed in such a gradual fashion. 
Um, but yeah, like this is the point where the uh, the concept of the alter egos is introduced, basically. Yeah, like right. that's the that's the more important thing, I think. Yeah, it uh, where it's, it where it's like so the barcode kids now that they've grown up, they kind of like they they can be thought of as an alter ego of the person who they inherited the memories from. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily acting out as an alter ego of them, or if that's just a kind of interesting way to think about them. Yeah, but right, right. The the you know what happens in the end, you know Fitzgerald, the guy who hired Roger, it turns out he's actually also one of Wainwright's androids, um, just like our Dorothy, and right. he's like, oh, I want to pass on my memories. I actually like pretty sure he actually had his memories pretty well preserved from the amnesia event right and it suggested that he had memories implanted into him that he wants yeah, to pass yeah. on also so and so he's yeah. about to hand over what is basically a cdrw <laughs> yeah he to, really it really is just a cd <laughs> like <laughs> over to roger and um all of a sudden his fucking head explodes because he gets shot in the head by this mysterious sniper who it turns out is alan gabriel the cyborg assassin man and uh and like the cd is destroyed and it's just like and the episode ends with like you know his his uh lover just like crying cradling like the pieces of his head yeah, you right, know right. it's fucking crazy <laughs> and uh part of the reason why i like this episode is because it's just like wow like it, it was like shocking and pretty crazy um even after like the really wild swing of the first episode of season 2 where they you know, completely just are like, look at a different universe here. Roger's just in America, I guess, and he's poor. Right, right, right. After after is such a bizarre opening that has seemingly no context at all at this point either. (laughs) Like, you know, once you see the last episode, it makes a lot more sense. But the first time you see it, it just seems like total nonsense out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. but but yeah, I, I liked how I liked the shocking ending a lot. I I really liked also uh, this episode set the precedent for it. But like the way they call back the standalone episodes of season one and link them oh, together. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's really was, cool. I thought that was really cool. And yeah. they do a lot like, of that this season too. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really satisfying. Like I think ev- pretty much every episode gets called back, um, and uh, you know they they also just kind of take a more deep investigative angle in this episode. Uh, that's where we get like the alter ego stuff and like right. all like the searching down memories. I-, I thought this was a really cool episode and it set a high precedent for uh, season two for me. Yeah, I- I'd agree. I-, I like this episode quite a bit too, even though it gets a little uh, muddy in the middle as far as my memory yeah. of it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, my favorite episode was a uh, season two, episode 10 twisted memories. Um, hmm. So this one that's twisted, dude. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Also, Twisted See, Memories one's... explains perfectly my understanding of the show in general, yeah. <laughs> I think. I'm just relaying my own Twisted Memories of how Dude, this shit episode, works. This episode sounds a little sick, like Twisted kind of stuff. Yeah, the it's kind pretty of stuff, fucked you'd have up. To be one, you'd have to be one sick puppy to like this episode. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, now that I've been judged <laughs> thoroughly for no reason, I'm going to explain what the episode's about. Uh, so... This episode starts with, uh, I think, the first flashback to Angel's childhood in the cabin, which I only mentioned to point out that this is where it's established. Uh, yeah. It's sort of irrelevant to the rest of the episode. But basically, this episode's about Beck being released from prison by Alan Gabriel uh, because he's being hired to kidnap Dorothy so that they can use her as the memory circuit or whatever for Big Fow. 
this episode is about that specific plot thing. And basically Beck attacks Roger's home, which is like a bank penthouse, I guess, um, with a bunch of these weird like crab robots that are oh, a bit yeah. more human sized. Uh, and they're fairly similar to uh, Tachikoma from Ghost in the Shell or Ghost in the Shell. Standalone oh, yeah, kind of sure. Like the spider little, tank kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. spider tank guys. They're smaller yeah. than that. But yeah, that 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 is a pretty good description of what they look like. Um, so it's a bunch of these little crab robot things. And they attack the house and uh, Norman has to defend Dorothy with a bunch of like turrets and guns. And shit. it's basically a tower defense. But yeah, yeah, uh, against a bunch of robotic crabs. And, you know, this is where Alex burns down his father's farm uh, and Roger is away for most of the episode. So he finally gets back. Uh, Big O activates on its own to defend Dorothy. She ends up getting kidnapped anyway. And then uh, Roger gets into Big O and Big Duo shows up, even though it was supposedly destroyed before. And now it's being piloted by Alan Gabriel. Oh, uh, shit. Although technically that's not revealed until the next episode, but whatever, that doesn't matter. This is the one where and Dorothy gets kidnapped by like the flying Dr. Robotnik robot with the girl grabbing claw. <laughs> What? No, that's a different episode. Oh, dude, I'm thinking of the about? other one. You're right. <laughs> yeah, that was last. Uh, that was last season, dude. I feel like they use the same kind of thing in this one, though. No, she gets, I'm like, pretty sure it's just a robot claw. <laughs> sure, but well, anyway, the reason I like this episode is because, like, although I do like the more esoteric and stuff in this show, this episode is nice because it is very straightforward. Like it's very clear what the goal of the villains is. And it's very clear what the goal of the heroes is. Yeah. And basically you're just watching that play out. I will admit upon reflection, like one of the things I don't like very much about this episode is that Dorothy is just a MacGuffin. Like she has yeah. absolutely nothing to do with her own defense whatsoever. And basically just kind of gives herself up in the end. I mean, there's reasoning behind it, but still, like, she doesn't really do anything to right. defend herself. She's just, like, she could be a bag of money and it would be kind of the same. And considering um, she's, like, a very powerful android, it's kind of dumb, but... Yeah, sure. You know, but it, if she gives herself up in the end, then, like, yeah, I guess, then why would she bother? Yeah, right. But anyway, like, I will say that that aspect is something that I don't like very much on reflection, um, however, the thing that I really like about this episode is that it's a very different kind of action and like violence than most of the show engages in. Like yeah. most of the time when the show is action, it's giant robots punching each other. And while that's cool, it doesn't have the same feeling of jeopardy that this does. Yeah. Like the attack on the penthouse actually reminds me a lot of the end of the first Matrix where uh, the Squiddies are attacking the Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, and there's yeah. just a much more desperate feeling in that scene than in the action and pretty much the rest of the movie. Like, And same for this. Like, these little crab robots ripping through the hallways of Roger's mansion and destroying stuff it feels very different, and it's really mm -hmm. cool. Norman gets a chance to kind of be a badass, too. <laughs> At one point, even he just, like, pulls out two pistols and goes, sons of bitches, and starts, like, shooting the crab robots as they fall. Somehow the the uh, two handguns dealing, like, enough damage to explode a robot. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, that seems really fun. And yeah. And again, it's something that I feel like has happened a couple times in this show, but again, it never feels quite as desperate or quite as dangerous. Like that's the thing I like about it. It really feels dangerous in a way that the rest of the show doesn't to me most of the time. Yeah. Uh which I think is really cool. Also it utilizes Beck well. Like Yeah. Beck comes up a few times in this show after his initial introduction, and he's always kind of just a goofy comic relief villain. And I'll say that generally I don't like that very much. Mm. Um, But in this, he seems like, I mean, there's still a little bit of like comedy coming from him, but he feels like a threatening villain. He feels much more serious. Yeah. Um, it, It feels like it makes sense for Alan Gabriel or Alex Rosewater, I guess, to hire him to do this in the first place. Like, he feels like an effective villain. And yeah, I mean, again, really what I like about it is it feels like the characters are in jeopardy in a way that they basically never are. And that's really cool. It's just yeah. a different perspective on action that we don't really see much. And also that combined with being more straightforward, I guess, than most of the rest of the episodes, uh, it's just an exciting package. It it feels like a it feels like the kind of episode that you could watch without seeing the rest of the show, and it would be about as effective, frankly. Yeah. Now, shall we discuss your nadir first before we get to mine? Uh, I guess we might as well, since I sort of bridge into it. Yeah. So my nadir is season two, episode five, The Greatest Villain. <laughs> um, this is an episode that is a comedy episode featuring Beck, which is why it makes sense to talk about it now. Right. Uh, it starts with Beck breaking out of prison and Roger getting hired by a very stereotypical Japanese company that apparently builds the domes in Paradigm City. Yeah. Um. And then Roger gets kidnapped by Beck, who puts him in some kind of like crucifix restraint system that's really strange and symbolic for something, maybe. It's like a weird head helmet thing that just like yeah, c- yeah. cages his whole face. As opposed to a hand helmet. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> exactly. I put on my hand helmets every time I. Uh, every yeah, every time, time, I go time it's cold outside. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so so yeah roger's hooked up in this weird crucifix restraint and then beck is like oh i'm gonna show you off to all the bad guys of paradigm city so that you know they can see the who the pilot of big o is and uh beck also reveals that he has like a robotic version of roger's head (laughs) and torso right which just repeats everything roger says uh, and he just kind of puts it in front of Roger to annoy him for a while before using it for its intended purpose, which is to call Big O and then distract it because this torso bot is on wheels. Yeah. And so we have this b- totally bizarre scene of the robot just rolling down the street with Big O following it with yeah, the robot just, go- just saying Big O, Big O, <laughs> yeah. Big O over and over he's again. Trying to, he's trying to lure Big O into like the... I guess, like, infinite depth ocean that if a robot yeah, falls right, into, right. they're completely it fucked. It can never get out, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, so It's like in Sonic, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly no! like in Sonic. You fall, and then you fall through the skybox of the level. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what's going on with this game? Anyway, uh, so also you know norman and dorothy and dostin are like goofily trying to act as negotiators themselves for roger's release 
and Dorothy ends up taking uh, on the responsibility. It's a trap for her for some reason when she finally gets to the place, but she manages to turn the tables on Beck. And then the climax is Beck and his two even more flamboyant and ridiculous goons uh, getting in these like pieces of a giant combining robot. Yeah. And turning into this giant combining robot and then fighting Big O, uh, which Big O, of course, destroys the robot literally in one blow. Like, it's yeah. not even a fight. He just, just annihilates it. Yeah. So, like, I didn't like this episode very much. I don't know why exactly, but I just do not have much patience for the just outright comedy episodes of this mm. series. Like, you see that? Like, there's more than one. <laughs> Uh, there's at least one other episode featuring Beck that is just an outright comedy episode, I think, in season one. Not really in season two, but like, that's part of the problem, is that yeah. I think the show does a really good job of building this atmosphere, and then they'll have an episode like this, and it just feels like it doesn't fit the show almost at all. Like, it's so different and silly by comparison that it doesn't seem congruent with the rest of the show to me. Yeah, it feels like this is like the kind of thing that you would see as like a DVD bonus episode. Yeah, kind of. I can this, see that. Where it's like, hey, that would be a fun like little thing. Like, oh, a little side story someone wrote that's just comedic and fun. But it doesn't make sense in the main in the main plot because it's just so tonally out of place. Right, right. And, and that's kind of unfortunate because actually, like... Beck having his combining robot with his henchmen yeah. is like a straight out shot for shot perfect, like, I guess, tribute to, you know, Sentai kind of uh, tokusatsu shows mm -hmm. right down to having all of the vehicles drive out of underground bunkers. Yeah. And like even the shots of those vehicles doing that, they look like animated versions of like Beetleborgs. Like, yeah, it's, yeah so perfect and that is really funny and then of course the, you know there were rogers working for a stereotypical japanese company because inside their dome they have a pagoda and they have uh like fake mount fuji i guess so right it looks like a set from a tokusatsu show for yeah, one yeah. of these scenes like it's so perfect in that respect but the thing is it feels so wrong for the rest of the show <laughs> that yeah it just does not work for me at all and it's kind of weird because i feel like you know as much as i ended up kind of liking the show i feel like there's a lot about it that would be really really funny to kind of poke fun at in a comedy episode like this yeah that they just don't really and yeah, I don't the, know. Like that the one thing sucks. I can think of is like they kind of poke fun at the Roger doing the same narration every episode, which they really do a lot in the second season, where he's like doing the same narration and he starts kind of even questioning it a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and in this one, he just like falls asleep midway through his narration. Oh, right. <laughs> I thought I don't was pretty that, funny. But that is pretty fun. That but is like, pretty funny and feels really, like a joke on the show a little bit. Yeah. But like most of the stuff just isn't like that. It's just kind of like out of place comedy yeah like if it were more of jokes about the things the show does that are a little silly then i would probably like it more but it, yeah. it just feels like jokes about something completely different uh it, it just feels like jokes for the sake of jokes in a way yeah. that i don't like very much um so i don't know uh, this one did not do it for me i did not really laugh uh and 
that's really all you can say about it. Uh, so what was your least favorite episode, Peter? Uh, so my least favorite episode was, well, the last episode, um, uh, episode 26 of season two. Well, episode 26 Excuse overall, me. 13 yeah. of season two. Yes. The show must go on. Um, this episode, I mean, we, we discussed the broad, uh, <laughs> the broad spiel of what happens, uh, you know, Big O and Big Foul fighting, uh, Angel gets a bunch of memories back, I guess, and then, like, turns into Big Venus and starts deleting everything. And Right, <laughs> yeah, and Big O merging with Big Venus or whatever happens yeah. and everything resetting. Like, yeah. yeah, those are the broad strokes things. Obviously, a lot more happens in the episode itself, though. Yeah, uh, among them, even more just, like, weird, confusing things thrown in there. Like, we see, uh, <laughs> we see the informant guy who's... Uh, name is actually Big Ear, which I didn't realize. I guess he's another big. Um, oh man, Big Ear! <laughs> <laughs> man, and you if know only what? He had his own big to pilot. And you know what? It turns out he's a fucking Terminator. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like a see, robot. We see him in like the. I guess I don't know if he's in the rubble. I don't. I don't quite recall if he's like in rubble or something. And we see yeah, like he, half well, his face. He's in rubble because in the previous episode, which is where it's revealed that um, there's like a big dome over all of Paradigm City uh, with stage lights, that, like debris is falling from the dome because it's oh, in such yeah. disrepair and it's destroying parts of the city. Yeah, that's um, right. So also, just for bonus, there is an episode much earlier in this season where Roger has to destroy what seems to be a satellite falling from the sky which was probably actually a stage light. Like, that's kind of a nice little touch oh, that I really didn't realize until I was going back through the notes that I was like, yeah. oh, shit, they totally misled us with that episode. That's great. Yeah, wow. But anyway, yeah, Big Ear's a robot, everybody. <laughs> yeah, just so and you that's know. just completely thrown away. No one mentions it. Um, I guess it, just because he's part of the simulation or maybe it's just a secret. He was always an android the whole time. Okay, whatever. Um you know, there's not much else to say about this episode, really. Uh, like, well, to me, yeah, I I think that another thing is that there is a scene during a flashback with a bunch of robot Rogers being that's mass true. produced. That's true, and, and that is also is, one of those things where it's just like, what the fuck am I supposed to make of this? Yeah, which is <laughs> like, equally very weird and like, confusing. I, I like seeing the flashbacks of like there's like a Roger who looks more like a soldier and like who's piloting a big O and I assume that's like the original Roger that he's getting the memories based off of. That's why he knows how to pilot Big O. Right. And like that those were always compelling. The fucking Roger Smith machine making robot Roger Smiths, <laughs> like I don't know what the fuck to make of that. It just seemed like Right, yeah, yeah. Random. That's that's some weird <laughs> shit for sure. Um and so, you know, like, I was kind of waiting for the moment that this show would stop making sense for me. And, you know, it, it was always kind of doing a thing where they're being a bit opaque and they're, like, give, drip feeding you information and there's lots of twists and stuff. And I like that. Um, but, you know, I, I'm I'm not exactly surprised that it kind of turned into a little bit of what I would call, like, symbolism wankery. <laughs> like. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh, like this symbol represents this and this represents this. And they're like doing a thing together. And I guess it means something. You figure it out. <laughs> it's it's just like kind of like the show is just waving it off and be like, you know, you, you can figure it out, I guess. Like write an essay on this. Right. Um, 
I'd say I still enjoyed the ride of the episode for sure. Um, but most of, mostly what I was disappointed on for this episode overall is like the lack of any insight into what the real world looks like, what the world might be outside of the simulation, even if it's just a fucking barren wasteland or like a computer in a barren wasteland that's still running, like meant to hold human humanity's memories still. But instead it's just like, nah, we're just going to reset and, uh, yep. Back to the, uh, episode one. <laughs> like, yeah, you see what's interesting to me is I think that, um, well, I, I think that for sure the end leaves a lot open for interpretation Yeah, in terms of what exactly you're supposed to get out of it or what it's supposed to mean. And I, I can see how that's frustrating, definitely. I think that like the, the weird half theory that I'm coming up with now is that the real world is probably pretty much like it actually is now. Mm -hmm. And that whatever simulation this is, is less a matter of like, I don't know, uh, a big computer running everything or whatever than it is like someone playing with dolls to an extent. Mm, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like there were some flash, there were some shots in these, the, these last episodes that indicate that showed like, you know, Dorothy as a doll or like maybe that's what the endless mass production of robot Roger Smith's is supposed to indicate that <laughs> his toy line. <laughs> well, I don't know. Or just that it's like a collection of dolls of this character that I guess yeah. Angel has that she's turning into this whole world for whatever reason. Like, I don't know. See, like, I, I wish there was even, like, a little... I wish there was a nugget of that, though. Like, just something. Not, it doesn't have to be... I'm not asking everything to be, like, tell me and explain everything in a big document and a ton of narration. Like, I get they're doing a lot of show-don't-tell stuff, but it's still left, like, a little too open-ended for me mm -hmm. in a way that makes it seem like there wasn't <laughs> a lot of... Maybe not enough thought put into it, or I don't know. Like... Clearly, a lot of thought was put into it, but um, I, I know what you mean, though, because yeah. like, I, I don't know. I have similar feelings, for example, about the end of like Lost. Like I never uh -huh. got into Lost, but I know a lot of people like my college roommates, for example, who are really, really into it and yeah. like who take a lot of meaning out of it, especially the last episode that I personally don't see. And uh, you know, I can't help but be cynical and think that maybe it's just a little bit of, like, fan wank of over-interpreting something when there maybe yeah. isn't a whole lot of substance there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, thinking I, I, can, I can understand that viewpoint, certainly. I, I do think this show um, is, in general, like, a little... I think it's got substance, but I think overall it's a little style over substance. Um but it's a really cool style that I like a lot. Yeah, sure. <laughs> which <right>. helps. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and so, so like that's, I, I did not hate this episode and I actually had quite a bit of trouble trying to figure out an episode that I disliked. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, like I, I did want a little more out of the ending, just, just a little bit of something more, maybe like a little bit of insight into who Roger was, like seeing him as a soldier or something or just what the past may have been like. But, you know, 
whatever. <laughs> they didn't do it. They apparently they there was like what was it? They they were being optioned or suggested like, hey, yeah, we'll do two right. more seasons. Yeah, my my understanding of how the whole co-production thing went down with season two is that, um, and this is based on my reading of the Wikipedia article, and I, you know, uh, it's been a bit since I read that for the purpose of, you know, taking notes on the first episode of this, but my understanding is that the creators of the show basically were pitching, like, three more seasons, Um <laughs> And That's a the lot. idea and the idea was to kind of continue telling stories in the world rather than really explaining any of the central mysteries of the world. Um, but that Cartoon Network executives were like, no, like you have to actually explain what's going on. And I'm not sure if it was originally we'll do three more seasons of just, you know, stories in the world or if it was a case of like, okay, we'll do this season and this season explains everything, but then we go back to just stories of the world, which would make sense given the reset at the end. Yeah. Um, or if it was a case of like, we'll do three more seasons of stories in the world and then tell you what it's all about at the end. Like, I'm not sure what the exact like structural breakdown was. I'm glad it wasn't that. Like, I don't know. Season I mean, one that was a lot of frustrating. Honestly, yeah. Season season one was a lot of like stories of the world too, and I think yeah. I mean, not to get too into our thoughts, but I do think this episode, this season, is a bit more consistent in quality. Yeah, I'd uh, agree. Yeah. In fact, well, why yeah, don't we go think, on to our break? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good place to break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about what we thought about the show overall, and really more of our specific thoughts on season two. Uh, we'll give a recommendation and do all the stuff we usually do, which is to say, talk about the results of our bet and what we're going to be watching next time. I've always been the one operating you. Now, for the first time, it's you who has called me to action. The Big O will return in a moment. Hey there, everyone. It's Michael, just jumping in during the break to give you some acknowledgments. Our opening and closing music is, as always, Vapor Diving, and the music for the bumpers is Monkeys, both by Onatech. You can find more of their music on SoundCloud. Rights were secured through Jamendo. Our next full episode will release July 15th, and tune in next week for the Japanese live-action Spider-Man. As always, you can submit a topic or show suggestion for minisodes via DM on facebook.com slash hppod, Twitter at hppod, or you can email us at hyperspacebroadcastpod at gmail.com. <laughs> now then, let's go and sink that black megadeuce. I won't let you. Huh? And now, back to the big O. All right, we are back. Peter, I guess continue. What what did you think about this season? Um I would say overall it was more consistent. I, I really liked how they uh carried on and kind of connected episode disparate episodes and disparate elements of season one into a kind of more coherent cohesive storyline. Mm -hmm. Um picking up and referencing specific standalone episodes from before and now like uniting them into like a bigger investigation. I thought it was really neat. Like I, I think that was a really cool idea how they did that. Um, 
overall, I think it was a bit more even in its quality and it maybe higher quality overall yeah, than sure. season one. Um, it, it wasn't as predictable, <laughs> you know, before it was just like, well, okay, they're going to, we have some kind of vague negotiation going on, which is definitely isn't actually negotiating, but is just Roger doing a cool investigation. And then there has to be an excuse for a giant robot to show up. And like, that was every episode, except In like fairness, the last two. I think that there are quite a few episodes this season that fall into the same basic pattern. Um, I think it's just that in this season, we're more used to it as kind of the structure of the show. So it's maybe less annoying. I would argue in this, in this season, it's more focused on building on one investigation than it is on doing like several smaller ones. Mm, yeah okay. like i, I, I guess think I every episode that. i think every episode's building on like discovering the truth of the world rather than um you know there are in individual cases but i think they're pretty minor and some of them don't even really make sense <laughs> yeah i mean again though i'd say that like like i i think you have a point however i do think there are at least a handful of episodes that still have almost nothing to do with the bigger mystery and are just kind of there. I mean, there's the episode where there's someone killing androids, for example, and then it just turns out to be like an android that we never oh, yeah. saw before in the episode, and that never really comes That's back true. from what That I episode recall. doesn't really mean anything. That was a fairly good episode, though. Yeah, it was okay. Um, I didn't hate it, but yeah. I, I think that that's not the and and again that one that's was true. that episode's pretty much totally standalone yeah that and that episode could have fit right into season one right down yeah. to me being like bet you 10 bucks that construction robot that's <laughs> yep. shown for 12 seconds in the beginning ends up fighting big o at the end which of course yeah. it does of course um but i yeah i mean i i get what you're saying i just i think that uh, there are still a fair number of episodes in this that follow the same kind of um i mean particularly with particularly with the oh, there's a giant robot that Roger fights at the end kind of stuff. That, to me, does not let up at all. That is still just as ridiculous and, like, relatively unimportant to the rest of the plot. I I don't think it felt as shoehorned to me. I mean, at least it was like, oh, Big Duo's back. Oh, oh, here are the three Megaduces. Sometimes it was, sure, but... Yeah. What did you think? I really liked season two, actually, um, pretty much from the first episode. Like, I, I like I like that every time you say you like something, you have to say actually at the end. It's like, well, well I mean, <laughs> I know what you all sure. expect, but I did actually <laughs> like this. <laughs> Touche. But I will say that at least in this case, it's because I didn't like season one very much. Generally. Uh, yeah. So I, I kind of turned around on it with season two for this show. Like the first episode is such a like swing for the fences esoteric thing that i couldn't help but kind of love the audacity of it right off the bat that's really fun like admittedly um some of the more you know just episodes that's just a bunch of ongoing plot threads thrown together and there's like sort of a through line for the episode itself but not really yeah those i'm not a huge fan of to be honest because they get kind of muddy they blur together for one thing <laughs> yeah for sure but like i i don't know like i actually really like this season and i i really like the ending personally like yeah i maybe have a little more tolerance for endings that 
are just weird and maybe a little up their own ass and aren't really going to explain themselves. Like the thing with season two is it felt like, like the way that I felt about season two is uh, it's basically like watching the original twin peaks for the first like 10 episodes. And then the last three are like, someone was just like, Oh, let's just cut in a feed of twin peaks, the return, which is (laughs) totally weird, esoteric shit. And I really like that. Like it, it's so weird and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I can't even really explain what I got out of it, but I feel like I got something and I like it. Um, <laughs> so like, it, it's the kind of thing where I'm not sure if it's the dumbest thing ever. That's yeah. just total nonsense. <laughs> or if it's kind of brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, I'm going to err on the side of it thinking it's kind of brilliant. Like, because I liked it and I, I feel like maybe I shouldn't question that too much. I think that's fair. And, and you, you did pick up on some stuff that I did not too, which is, which is interesting. I, I didn't even consider, you know, the possible metaphor of like, oh, these are toys for like, you know, well, I mean, in fairness, I'm basically pulling that out of my ass. Like, sure. Angel's shown to be an adult in whatever real world, quote unquote, yeah. this, you know, she's in. So maybe it's not somebody playing with toys. But then maybe she is. <laughs> yeah, maybe she is an adult playing with toys. Maybe, like, maybe it would have this... been zoomed out and she's like, pff, yeah, and it's inside a showtime. And it's inside. <laughs> It's inside a snow globe that's being yeah. held by the kid from St. Elsewhere. Who's on Mars. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but like, I don't know, maybe the really weird scene where Alex Rosewater is talking to Roger and just driving around a little remote control big foul <laughs> on the table is meant to get to that somehow. Which like, then stumbles over and he has to, like, put in new batteries to the controller. Know. What the fuck was that? In, like, a serious scene, too. Where yeah, he's, like, I love that so much. That scene is so big, weird. Big Fowl's like, oh, Big Fowl's almost operational again. <laughs> yeah, but he has this tiny like, remote control one fucking do it, it's so silly i love it and like yeah but again i don't know i i think that you could take that as some bit of symbolism about how maybe this is all people playing with toys again maybe i'm pulling that out of my ass i probably am but i, I don't know i i think that there is something like in general i i like the weird esoteric nonsense this show because yeah. when it's done well I tend to like weird esoteric nonsense. Sure. And I feel like this is done well enough May that I can accept anime. it. <laughs> well, sure. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> um, the, the idea that everyone is playing roles under a dome sure reminds me of that segment of a wind named amnesia <laughs> where there are two people playing every role oh, in yeah. a city under yeah, a dome. Yeah, for sure. What a weird, like, weird yeah, exactly. there. <laughs> Right, but even that is like it's such a crazy reveal and it's so cool in a strange way and it actually explains a lot about how the world works and why. Like yeah. why does no one remember anything past 40 years? Well, it, it didn't happened. exist or it's <laughs> yeah. irrelevant to the plot of the story that we're trying to tell with whatever play this is, even yeah. if the individuals within it don't know. Like I don't know. There's there's something about 
the idea, I guess, of the characters in a play having their own actual agency and questioning why they even are who they are, what they're doing. That's kind of cool to me. Hmm. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it just hits my like dumb film major spot of like, (laughs) Ooh, they're talking about the thing they're doing, but I don't know. Like I liked it. And in general, I think that, like my complaints about the first season for me were either cleaned up or it was just doing enough other stuff that I didn't care very much. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you know, there are still weird looking, totally out there villains. Alan Gabriel looks like the Joker, like, but the also Joker from and- a totally different show. <laughs> it's like the Joker and the Riddler and the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> yeah. Basically just blended together and made kookier. And he has like a rotating drill hand, but also he's the only new villain who's that goofy in design. So like it works for me. And I wouldn't even call him that goofy, like compared to like the random evil scientist villains who just looked insane from the yeah, first season. Yeah, sure. Like he, he like, looks a little st- more down to earth, certainly. Yeah. And, and it helps that. He's the only one, and he's a recurring villain, so you see him a lot. Like, yeah, I felt kind of the same about, way about Schwartzwald. Like, Schwartzwald has a ridiculous design, but you see him enough that it becomes like, okay, sure, this is just how this character looks. It's not like, right. uh, you know, it's not like whoever that guy who looked like fucking Mr. Hyde, but a goblin and had a magic <laughs> staff from season one. Like, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it wasn't just some guy who showed up for like, an episode and then was killed so i I don't have time to get used to the design but like that the unnecessary robot fights the season still has a number of those i'd say but i didn't care as much like i don't know for for some reason a lot of the stuff that bothered me in season one just kind of melted away in this season for me so i like the season a lot and yeah uh, but to get to like what I thought about the show overall, I think yeah. season two is definitely better than season one. And I wish that season one had been willing to go more out on a limb on some of the weird stuff that season two was willing to. Yeah, Because yeah. if it had, I think I would have accepted it more. But, It'd be a lot more intri- it's a lot more intriguing that way like well yeah i mean when you see an up ep- when the, when the season starts with an episode that just throws you for an absolute loop it's like okay i want to see if yeah. this is paid off at any point yeah <laughs> because it's like, so weird instead season one is like super formulaic and then season two is like completely throws that out the window more or less yeah well um, at least with that kind of stuff and the thing yeah. is season one is so interested in its like atmosphere and world building that it doesn't do a whole lot to, I guess, kind of break through the fourth wall, maybe. Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I think like that's kind of how I felt season two's opening was working. It was like it was breaking through some kind of barrier within the show itself to just be like, okay, there's something else very weird going on and we're not going to tell you what we're just going to give you this bizarre kind of cornucopia of scenes and figure it out. (laughs) And like if season one had done that instead of concentrating so much on this idea of a city where no one remembers anything, even though that doesn't matter, 
I think I would have liked it more. Um, but you know, it's hard to say. Overall, I yeah. think season two is better. Like that that's really where I come I, down on it. I think I think the same way. Um I find season one is just a bit too formulaic for me. I do really like I really like the world. I I like the music um a lot. I I the um saxophone theme that plays in the beginning of every episode is great. The uh and you know, season two did away with did away with like the irritating Twilight Zone theme. Oh yeah, ripoff. that's true. Yeah, that was and, nice to not have to have blaring in my ears ever again. Yeah, right. Um overall for this show, you know, I, I think it's a little uneven, but like uh, and in some levels the plot just doesn't quite work for me and some levels it does uh you know it, it's just like a beautiful animation the art style is really cool and unique like the character design is just like really sharp I, I love it um and and really does feel like kind of a inspired by batman the animated series but still anime you know in this the same kind of recursive loop that american and japanese animation has been influencing each other um yeah sure it, it, it's just like really neat and just the animation quality through and through is just so good um that i i, I general i think i'd recommend checking this show out um if, yeah, if you're ready yeah. to get down to recommendations well i mean i have one last thing to say which is i kind of touched on this already but like i i i kind of personally just want to watch season one again to see if there's anything i guess new about it to me now that i've seen the whole show which yeah. tends to happen i mean you know something i i brought up when we were discussing the show after watching it one day was like one of the things that's a little frustrating about watching a show like this for this podcast is that we don't really have time to watch it twice <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah. not practical but it feels like a show that needs to be watched twice to fully get into. Like, specifically, I brought up uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner is a movie I really, really love. But the first time I saw it, I hated it. It made no sense to me. I didn't like it at all. The second time I saw it, I got a lot more out of it. And yeah. I think, well, partly I think that was because I was older. Partly, it's I think that that's because... I had seen it already, so I understood the basics of the plot, and I could dig more into the, like, symbolism or, like, what meaning I was getting out of it than just the concrete aspects of what's going on. Yeah, right. And this show feels to me very similar to that. And, like, the problem with making a podcast about it is we have to watch it once, we have to kind of binge watch it, and, like... Given that the show is built out of a million tiny details sprinkled through <laughs> each episode, yeah. it's really frustrating because you have to note all of those tiny details. They may be relevant later. They may not. You have no idea. And so it's just this kind of confusing, frustrating experience. And I, I suspect that part of my problem with season one was just being frustrated with the process of actually yeah making a podcast about it more than <laughs> yeah. if i had like sat down and watched it in my own time it kind of comes at you with a lot and and you know disseminating all that inf or you know disassembling that all that information and kind of just trying to 
figure it out on your own or right like i mean it it takes a lot of uh a lot of time and can be a bit frustrating yeah and the thing is like it's um it's a show that i feel like we could talk about for like another hour honestly because there's a lot of like as i said earlier a lot of stuff up for interpretation and theorizing Yeah. yeah um but also that's not, you know, in some ways to its detriment, that's not quite how this podcast works a lot of the time. And it's a lot, I guess the thing is, like, it's a lot easier for the purpose of making a podcast to watch something like Dragon Ball Z, where it is all totally surface level. And there's yeah, basically right. no, nothing to interpret at all. It's just, it is what it is. Like, you can talk about character motivations and plot stuff, but... With Big O, I feel like the character motivations and plot stuff are kind of secondary to the more, uh, I guess, interpretive things yeah. about it. And as a result, like watching it once and trying to get through it so that we can get a podcast out on time, I, I just feel like we're skimming the surface of the show in a way that like in season one, I found very frustrating but now I feel more comfortable with and it's like, okay, yeah, I didn't get everything out of the show the first time around because I'm probably not really supposed to and that's okay. And mm. like, I, I kind of want to sit down and watch it again to see if I get more out of it this time. I don't know. Maybe I'll do that in like a year, but yeah, yeah like I, I, I suspect that part of my distaste for season one was built on this sort of expectation that all of my questions were going to be concretely answered (laughs) and now that i know that they're not it's like okay well that's sort of freeing in a way sit back and enjoy it some more yeah yeah right like uh, what it's and you take especially thorough notes too, like story notes and stuff whereas i'm kind of just shooting from the hip whatever i whatever i feel like writing down um so I, I didn't feel like I had quite as much of an issue with that. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Th- though, you know, season two uh, for note taking, I really when there's like a lot of little tidbits like we were talking about, I get basically into just writing my own story notes the entire time, too, <laughs> which can almost be distracting. And sometimes I just have to be like, no, nope, fuck it. Too much shit's happening. Just skip the sentence. I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, right, right. So like so. Uh, yeah, but to get into recommendations, like, yeah. I think for this show overall, I'm actually going to give it a visit. I'm actually going to bump mm, up yeah. my recommendation from last time. I think having seen all of it now, I actually understand more why it's regarded as well as it is. And I think that I think that there's a lot to unpack in this show, honestly. Like, yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting experience. Um, so I'd say if you can get a hold of it, check it out. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, you know what? I, I think I'm... Hmm. I think I'd give it a revisit, like, you know, it, it, uh, or maybe a conditional visit kind of thing. I mean, I guess any, anything I mean, you is can conditional. Give, you, but... you can disagree with me. I know. You don't have I know. to. <laughs> I, I, would say, I, I would say give it a revisit if, if, or visit if you, like, look at it or an intrigued, if you really like Batman and Mecha, or uh, you're just intrigued by the style of the show. I think that's definitely a good, uh, uh, worth it for that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, th- I think it's a pretty solid revisit for okay. me. Yeah, that that makes sense. And 
Yeah. I mean, I would have agreed with you last episode, certainly. I just, for whatever reason, I got a lot out of the end, and I don't know why. Hey, no, that's, and again, that's cool. I can't even explain it. So maybe, again, maybe I'm just talking out of my ass. But let's move on. Um, I like the so, show, man. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is, of course, I didn't fucking even hate the beautiful. <laughs> Like yeah, the oh, yeah. Uh, particularly in season two, like it's so crisp. Um, yeah, in it's fairness, just really like I'm pretty sure season two is like computer animated. Oh really? Like def- I'm I I could be wrong easily, but I got that impression just from looking at it. Huh. Um, again, I, I could be wrong. It, it might be Cell. Um, uh, I I I mean, it's definitely still two D, but I think yeah, it's oh, yeah. I think it's computer done. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, like yeah, it looks it looks amazing. The the style of everything is so cool. Like the dub's really good. Yeah, the um, dub is great. There's there's a lot of detail inside Big O. Like all of the yeah, switches yeah. and everything. It looks very like I don't even like almost like 1950s. Like they almost, didn't try to tech it up and at all. It's almost it, like it's almost really like cool looking steampunk inside there a little yeah, bit, but almost, not over not yeah, over the yeah. top steampunk. Not like oh goggles, cool. I'm gonna fly yeah, around. Right. Steam yeah, right. Yeah, there's not there. like pipes shooting steam yeah. everywhere or anything. But <laughs> right. it, but it's a lot of the like very analog is the word yeah, I'm looking for. Yeah. It looks very which analog. Really cool. Which is, it's like yeah, it's like he's kind of inside of a giant steam engine. Yeah, um, right, right. Which is uh, yeah, as you said, it's awesome because. It's a very unique take on mech design that I don't feel like I've seen much. And it's just elsewhere. so detailed. This is not a show that just skips around on on shit and has like background shots of just like blur people, you know? <laughs> like yeah, they seem like to it's really very... just pour detail into everything. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's very really very impressive. well done. But anyway, yeah. that all that said, uh, the bet result. I won. Uh, there were two fights against not giant robot enemies in this. I mean. Technically, you could call it three. I, I would say it's technically one to two non-giant robot fights because one of them was a uh, well, one of them like can hardly meteor. be called a fight. Yeah, he just blows up a meteor that's probably <laughs> a stage light based on the reveal yeah. at the end of the series. Um, and the other was, I guess, there were two other ones that were like serpents. Oh no, one was like a serpent robot, so that didn't count. Yeah, and, the right. other one and then was there's like, one that's a Hydra that yeah. I don't know is some kind of clone of the Hydra from the hydroelectric dam episode in the first season hydroelectric <laughs> yeah <laughs> we, Ooh, we need so to much symbolism <laughs> <laughs> we need to get out of here dude <laughs> it's like they're playing with dolls um so yeah. yeah right so there are only two i'd argue maybe three if you count big o like attacking one of uh beck's little crab robots as a fight against a technically <laughs> non-giant robot yeah sure dude <laughs> but regardless i won yeah um which means i'm picking the next series so yeah uh i guess let's move right on to what we're going to be watching next next week we have one more mini sode for the big o and we're going to be watching something that is weirdly <laughs> relevant which is uh spider-man specifically yeah. the 1970s Japanese tokusatsu Spider-Man show, which is <laughs> yep. really weird and yeah. hilarious, where Spider-Man is a giant robot and yeah. is basically a Power Ranger. <laughs> oh my god, it's super fucking funny, it, and it's and it's uh, it's available on YouTube. Uh, yeah. I don't know I'm the sure technical. <laughs> I don't know the technical legality of that, but I also don't think anyone gives a shit about the rights for tokusatsu Spider-Man. Yeah, right. Um, right. <laughs> Well, we'll see. I don't know. What, Maybe it'll get taken like, down while we're watching it, like this yes. fucking show did. <laughs> yeah. What, 
What does he say? Like the warrior of hell? Yeah, yeah. I believe it's emissary of hell. Emissary of hell. The emissary. Yeah, beautiful. So bizarre. So (laughs) that's what we're going to be watching next week. Um, After that, I think we're just going to be watching Transformers Armada. Uh, It's been a while since we've done a Transformers show. Transformers Armada has a pretty heinous reputation. It's been a while since we've done an abject stinker. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that too. Is I've heard very bad things about the show, and yes, it's been a while since we watched something that we we're both like, "This is garbage," uh, and that's always fun. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna it. do Transformers Armada, <laughs> but obviously next week we'll be doing Spider Man. Uh, after that, Transformers Armada, and until then, I'm Michael Doak, and I'm Peter Eby. Wait, what was your name again? I think I'm Michael Duck. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing here? Yeah, I don't know. I think we we got to get out of this city. Oh, wait, there's a giant dome trapping us inside. <laughs> what are we going to do? I'm walking towards that giant robot. I don't care what you say. <laughs> uh, no! All right, well, what I, whatever. Uh, be sure to revisit us next week for the 1970s Toku Spider-Man. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you're staying safe out there uh, still. I just wanted to say that this podcast is still in support of Black Lives Matter. And if you check the relevant post on our website, that is the Black Lives Matter post, there are links to charities and lists of charities that you should consider donating to if you have the means. Uh, Obviously, none of these donations go to us at all. Um, it's just to the people who need it, and we figured that we'd try to use our podcast, even though it has a limited audience, uh, for some good purpose. Um, if you want more of our content, you can follow us over at facebook.com slash hppod and twitter at hppod, where we post all of our episodes as well as additional content related to what we've been watching. This is also a great way to get in contact with us if you are so inclined. Of course, subscribing on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatcher app you happen to use is also a surefire way to stay up to date. And while you're doing that, uh, please consider leaving us a review. We would really appreciate it. It helps us find new listeners and would just be kind of a nice thing to do uh, if you want to do it. So, yeah, stay safe and please tune in next week when we cover the Tokusatsu Spider-Man. See you then.